Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 574. Yes. <laughs> you know, I like that every time we do these intros and you're here, you always seem surprised that I want you to say anything. I just like to casually slide in. I don't want to be presumptuous. That was, there was nothing casual about that slide in. It was a very labored, awful slide in. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't slick. That's my version of smoothness. Oh, okay. It's like steampunk smoothness. There's a lot of gears and it doesn't move. It's all rickety. Listen, some people's demeanor is chunky peanut butter. <laughs> That's okay, Kyle. It's all right. Then you put that in a Reese's and it's delicious. This podcast is David Arquette, who, uh, you know, I'd been acquaintance with David over the years. We'd seen each other at various events, never really talked, and instantly became friends. He's a real nice guy. We've been talking and uh, texting like teenagers, and uh, and uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. And he's promoting his show Cleaners, which is on Crackle.com, and then also the independent film Field of Shoes, which is out on September 26th. So... Here we go. Nerds Podcast number 574 with my new pal, David Arquette. Yes. (laughs) Chunky peanut butter. (laughs) Now entering Nerdist.com. Bless you. Thanks. For science. Science. What would a wizard do? What would a wizard do? Yeah. A wizard would cast a spell to never sneeze again. Or he would have magical sneezes. Or... Or wish, uh, or wish granting sneezes. Like every time you caught a wizard sneezing, you're like, I get to make a wish. And he's like, God damn it. This is longer than I thought it was going to be. See, this is why you shouldn't <laughs> ask me questions. Uh, I'll teach you. Yeah, good point. David Arquette, welcome to the. This podcast has already started. I am enjoying your Run DMC shirt. Thank you. Oh, wait, it's not just Run DMC. That's that yeah. was Beastie Boys. That's that from that tour, that first big Beastie Boys tour. Oh, my God. I remember that. Remember when they were just a party band? Yeah, yeah. The good old days. Well, not really a party band. Like uh, they were, they were like sexist and telling kids to do drugs and stuff like that. That's the days I miss. Not I'm, I'm still holding on to those days. I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I'm sorry. I've been giving up on the dream. 
<laughs> you look good, and that's the important thing. Oh, thank you. Like you're, you're, too. Survi- you're like you're surviving it, whatever it is. You're, yeah. you're doing an okay yeah. job. Yeah. Well, I see my innards. Yeah. <laughs> it's best not to think yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I work on the shell. What's on in the inside? Yeah, <laughs> it sort of reminds me of uh, one time. Uh, my my mom's house is a place where you could literally eat off the floor. Like, it's spotless. Wow. But I gave her something to put away, and she opened this closet, and there was just a pile of shit in the... Just, like, all... Just a bunch of stuff. Not a, uh, literally a yeah, pile of stuff. Just, like, right. a bunch of stuff in the closet. And she just threw it in there on top, and my response was, oh, so that's where that goes. Yeah. And it's that, that's the same kind of thing. Like, as long as you don't see it, it's not messy. I yeah. like it. I like that philosophy. I can live with that. <laughs> but how do you maintain this lifestyle when you have a ton of shit going on? You're... Uh, no, I mean, I'm somewhat responsible. <laughs> <laughs> I was only like eight minutes late. Yeah, that wasn't bad at all, actually. Yeah. That wasn't bad at all. But you're in a movie, and you're producing television, and yeah. you, you know, have a nightclub, and you just bought another one. I did not buy another one. That's a you... rumor. I thought you bought the Crazy the Girls. Crazy Girls I did not buy. No. TMZ has gotten it wrong twice, and they're usually pretty good. You know, yeah. that's what we were talking about before, is that TMZ has like, become an actual source for real news. Yeah. You usually can bet on them, but not yeah. for this one. God damn it. No, it's just, uh, I don't know what's going on. I've probably spent enough that I could have bought it. <laughs> Maybe someone said that sarcastically. Jay-Z probably owns this place. Yeah, so like those 3,672 lap dances probably amounted to the money they quoted. Do you want to leave right now and go buy Crazy Girls? <laughs> Let's just go to it. <laughs> hey, listen, I, get, I got free uh, cards for any of those places. <laughs> Where I could call up Gino or Stan and Skin. <laughs> Skins and shit. There's a guy named Skins? No, there's Stan who owns Skin. Oh, 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 that's Skin another club. Is quite a spot, yeah. Oh, it's wow. Good, it's a fun that. one. I don't know the uh, I don't know the LA uh, strip club, club scene, scene at all. I don't no. know it at all. I just knew I know the of... ironic strip club scene, which is uh, Sam's Hoffbrow and Jumbos. That's the ironic strip club. Well, scene. and Fantasy Island. Yes, yes, I've heard of that. That's still more here. ironic yeah. than that. Yes, it used to be Kelbos, like an old like tiki lounge. And yeah, I remember. It's, just it's in West the, LA. It's like the best. Like it really. It, it couldn't be any like divier, but I love it. Is it pirate themed strip club? Because that would be fucking amazing. It, it's, it, it still has the same Kelbo's uh, bar, nice. so you can still see like the lacquered like <laughs> tiki things. Keep your arms to yourself. Love <laughs> <laughs> it, pirate bouncers. Yes, I mean they could do it. That's actually the one to buy. It wouldn't be. Crazy girls, it would be. Yeah, fantasy. So one island. strip club you can get scurvy from. Yep. Um, I pretty much. I think I, I may have got it from <laughs> Fantasy Island. Yeah, that's it. But I ate a lot of lemons. You should watch Black Bertha pleasure herself with her own pig leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was really funly tragic that joint. <laughs> it's fun. It's good. So what do you what do you what is it you specifically that you're working on now? Because I know you, um, uh, the, you have the movie. I have a movie, The Field of Lost Shoes, coming out in like a week or so. So and now it's a Civil War film. You're just doing press for that, I would imagine. That and uh, I have a show on Crackle called Cleaners. Yeah. So uh, those are the two I'm promoting at the moment. You've and done then, like 20 episodes of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. A, I'm not sure how many. 12 and then six. That's 18. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I should work for... That's how fast my ma- mind works mathematically. That is it. You should see me trying to do math homework with my fifth grade daughter. Oh, my gosh. 
It's so hard now. I don't know. I'm not a nerdist in that regard. Like, I am like in all the others. Like I love everything nerdy, but I'm just not smart enough. Damn it. Yeah. Well, math is a very specific. Math is one of those things where you, you know, you, you learn it and then when your brain just doesn't need to employ algebra anymore, your brain just th- kicks it out the door. Right. There's no reason for you to solve for X in, yeah. a, da- in a daily basis. So it's not weird that you don't. That's not that's not crazy. Like yeah. that are you smarter than a fifth grader bullshit? It's not fair because that's all the shit those kids are studying right now. It's I all time responsibilities. They're Absolutely. keeping those fucking kids alive. <laughs> yeah. That show's still on, right? Is that timely? <laughs> I think that's a timely ref. <laughs> I don't know if it's on still. How do you like being a dad? It's the greatest. It really is. I have a ten year old daughter, Coco, and a newborn uh well, he's four months now, Charlie West. They're just the best. It's so much fun. You guys have kids? No. no. Oh. It's something to really look forward to. You never sleep again, which is really it's, yeah, it's that's difficult. the problem there. Oh, though. That's like really my heavy. favorite thing in life. Yes, <laughs> sleep is my child. Yes, it brings me so much joy. And oh, if you haven't tried it, you really should sleep. Oh, <laughs> yes. so it brings you so much joy. That's true. It's really fun. <laughs> And everyone says, like, it's the greatest thing in the world. Did you think it was going to be the greatest thing in the world? Or were you like, I don't know about this. And then the second you were a dad, you were like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, once you see him smile, I mean, that's, that's like all he's doing right now. He's pooping, eating, <laughs> smiling, <laughs> and laughing and crying and um, sleeping. So, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it does change everything. And now Coco's like a little person. And she's completely like the coolest she's got a great sense of humor and she's got a huge heart and she's just a great person so are you stressed though because i'm in, so stressed in like, in, like, in like three or four years Everything. it's gonna be like boys and I dating know. and it's like Ugh. i mean the whole thing's stressful i'm a guy we're disgusting i know what guys are like yeah but one i mean even before that comes up you're just like oh i don't want anything to ever happen to him you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. you have to completely like just there's got to be some good in the world just please protect her you know what i mean protect him you know just let there be some beauty i don't want you to go out with that boy (laughs) dad are you calling me from fantasy island right now (laughs) (laughs) i am and i'm seeing what's happening (laughs) i am here as uh, research (laughs) well i do have a really bad like parenting style (laughs) (laughs) i don't really hide anything so i'm like listen if you don't want to get as tragic as this, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what it example. comes down to, like sometimes when it's a bad when it's a bad moment. It's like I know, but I think that's good though because I think I think kids can sense. Well, as kids start to get older, obviously you can lie to them when they're young and be like, "There's a Santa Claus" or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when they get older, I think kids can really sense honesty and authenticity and. I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, hey, I don't, you know, I'm just a person and you're a person and good luck. We'll figure it out together. Yeah, well, this is a sad, this is a sad story, but it's an honest story. But um, yeah, I have a nightclub and sometimes we have to like work until two or three. And then I went home and, you know, you're drinking until, you know, 145 and you know, so I go home and I go to sleep and I have to get up and take my daughter to school. But the time period there in, in drinking and then being sober and then being able to drive, it wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I had to take her, so I had to call an Uber. And she's like, what are you doing, Dad? And I had to explain. I was like, listen, I worked at my club last night, and I never drink and drive, and you have to – I know it's awkward, but we're going to have to yeah, yeah, ride yeah. with another person in school right now. <laughs> I call that responsible. It's this is responsible. Your new but, you know, that also falls into the line of, listen, honey, this is, you have your whole life ahead of you. You can make the choices you want. You know what I mean? I hope you make the right ones. Don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Now I, I'll leave you with Armin, your driver. I didn't send her alone. <laughs> Don't leave any trash in the car. Daddy's trying to keep his customer rating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Armin, is Fantasy Island so open? <laughs> Skin probably would be. <laughs> Let's loop back. Hours. <laughs> I don't know. I just get tired at night now. I can't even admit, like the idea of just uh, going out and just yeah. being out. And I just feel like yeah, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta go to bed. I yeah. know, I know. I'm, I'm, I have a club called Bootsy Bellows, and and uh, it's hard to to go all the time. You know what I mean? Now I'm the old guy at the club. I mean, it's my club, and we play. We have puppets there, marionettes, crazy marionettes that dance and have sex with each other. Really. Sort of. I mean, I want to go. <laughs> yes. that sounds I awesome. I want to go to that. <laughs> yes. Where is that club? My, I mean, it's it's the horriblest thing, but it happened. It just spontaneously happened. But we have a little Michael Jackson, and we have a, you know, post op Michael Jackson, right? And uh, little Jackson Five Jackson, and then so I'm doing the little Jackson Five Jackson, and there's another guy doing the the Michael Jackson. And then, so they start freaking with each other. And I was like, this is, this is like Michael Jackson's ego's, like, like <laughs> sexual, like, this is Freudian fucking horror. horror. Uh, <laughs> I like that there was a deep psychological dive and that it wasn't yeah. just a sick joke. It was just like, no, uh, this represents, like, it's an no, yeah, The music is going do- like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and you can hear the people going, oh, uh, no, why? <laughs> I mean, this is technically masturbatory. Yeah, to be really honest about it, it's like reaching through a time portal. <laughs> Which is really what we're doing all the time, every time we masturbate, is reaching through a time portal <laughs> to our younger selves. I think what you did is fine. I don't think anyone would be proud. Where, where is the club? Uh, it's right across from Boa on Sunset. Oh, oh, it's where the oh. old bar one was back in the day. Oh, I went there. Stores. You did? Yeah. Were there puppets? M- no, there weren't puppets that night. My, uh, my oh, friend, if it was a private party, Pantera. Uh, yes, yes. W- w- runs the. Absolutely. She, she was running a night that I went. Yes. And uh, in the was, back room, there's not typically. That's she does the back room. So yes. On Fridays. I was in the back. I, w- I went. Yes. I went into the back room, but it's. Uh, it's a fascinating study in human interaction. The it club, is. the club thing. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't drink, so for me, I experience every bit of it. Like, yeah. from what I remember in the old days of drinking, you don't hear how loud, and you don't really feel how crowded something can yes. be. Yeah. But when you're very aware of everything, you're like, it's really loud. Yes. Oh, wow, there's a lot of people here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty jumping. Yeah, I'd say it's been a successful club for like three years, so it's hard to do that in LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty wild. But it it's a good time. I mean, people have a blast there. What do you like about it? Uh, I like playing with the puppets. That's like my favorite part. <laughs> did I you really have a nightclub just to play with yeah, puppets? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, my puppet, like, uh, 
The collection has increased tremendously. The Bob Baker nightclub. Oh, I love Bob Baker. That's a good Those guys and Bob Baker, he lent us some of his puppets at the beginning. It was good. That's good stuff. That's really cool. That that place is still open, right? It is still open. It keeps on having fundraisers. I know. It needs them. I've always had this dream of like getting some big investment, like guy who's got a huge heart to like just move it. It just needs to be on like the Third Street Promenade, Hollywood Boulevard, or the Grove. Like it just needs to be right around one of those, you know, places where there's a lot of traffic and people feel safe. And then you need someone to take care of Bob, like get his finances in order and just make it the Bob Baker Marionette Theater and, you know, just keep that dream alive. Because at one point in Los Angeles, there were 89 puppet theaters throughout the city. Whoa. Yeah. Because they didn't have movies at the time. And uh, it was just like starting up. Movies were just starting. So you went to go see puppet shows and there were adult ones and there were kid ones and... And so they had all these different ones. They had one adult, the- uh, one uh, <laughs> adult in one my head. They had one puppet theater where you'd you'd watch a puppet show here, and then you'd swing your chair around and you'd watch one on the other side. Oh wow! And Elvira Street had a couple puppets. So yeah, yeah. And even like when movies first started coming out, like the MGM movies, I have these two amazing puppets that they uh, they didn't have television, so they didn't have advertisements. So they'd do these little puppet shows of, like, Rhett Butler and, you know, Scarlett O'Hara, and they'd be in the same costumes, the same uh, costume makers that made these little oh, costumes wow. for the puppets. And they'd, like, you know, frankly, darling, I don't give a damn. And they'd do that, like, as a little puppet like show. Like, at the puppet theaters. Coming to theaters, yeah. Oh, wow. They would do, no, they would they'd do, do trailers. Little trucks, yeah. Oh, shit. They'd drive them around the different areas in town. That's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty well. Do you build any of the puppets yourself, or you just like to operate? I've built one, a giant Michael Jackson, the really a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Michael Jackson thing, I guess. But um, that's weird. I built a Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I have bubbles. <laughs> I have a Corey Feldman. I have literally Corey Feldman. Yeah, just he's in my car. He just waits he's, for me. And the other guy is Scott Land. He's the greatest. He was the head puppeteer on Team America. And he builds all his own puppets, and he's just, he was at our, our place for quite a while, and he's just, he's the best living puppeteer, in my opinion. Now, how come you haven't produced a puppet thing yet, or have you? Um, I did. Uh, I've always used puppets in, in different things. I did something called Dirt Squirrel a long time ago that there was a little puppetness, and, uh, you know, I, I I enjoy puppets. <laughs> I don't know. No, I used, to, so, I used to have a puppet collection. You did? Yeah, yeah. But it got uh, when I started moving around a bunch when I left my parents' place. Like you know, they had it in boxes, yeah. and then their garage flooded, and it ruined all of them. No. Yeah, yeah. Were they all hand puppets? Uh, a couple of them were hand. But like, I had this nice like old man uh, Muppet puppet style nice. that I got off of Puppets on the Pier in San Francisco, yes. and like his hair was made out of like white peacock feathers yes. and it was just so it was like real like just a gorgeous gorgeous puppet that a couple dummies uh one marionette um and then some other kind of like you know weird hand like you know like the the, the spring and the squirrel one like kind of stuff it's just like and they all got they all got just soaked and ruined and stuff like that hmm, well, yeah i had one kind of survived it was a groucho marx uh dummy um that i ended up doing a, a comedy bit with with my friend demorge uh, where um, I was like talking about how my my stand up isn't as good as it should be because it's better in conversation. So I got a I got a Groucho Marx dummy to help me, <laughs> and I bring out the Groucho Marx dummy, but he's in blackface. Oh, and, no. yeah, yeah. and then I go, oh god, what are you and like? Why, who did this to you? He's like, was it you mean? You did this to no! me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. And then I go, why are you talking like this? You making me talk like this? I am not making you talk like <laughs> oh, this. this is so and then wrong. and then like uh, and then like my friend Demora, she's black, like comes out. He's like he's like he's like, what the fuck is this? I, I go, no, it's not me. It's the puppet. He's like, you're stealing my act. Let's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. see if you were Jeff Dunham, you would do that yeah. unironically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's harder to. I, I've worked with puppets before, and and I guess if you're not used to it, you just go, oh, it's just uh, you just hold up the puppets, and you make them talk. No, 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 no. It's yeah, way yeah. more intense. Yeah. Like you got it. Yeah. Like the really hardcore puppets, like they have uh, monitors. The, the, they and have mics. monitors and the puppet wranglers, and because yeah. we worked, uh, we made some stuff with the Henson Company, and, yeah. and it, it is. Like your budget triples when as soon as you work with puppets because you it, like it triples yeah. the amount of people that you have to have on set. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe it's time to do a David Arquette look back at, and do like a puppet re- retrospective of scenes from the favorite movies that you've been in. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> I, don't know, I think it's too much budget. <laughs> too much budget for this little bang. <laughs> I think I. I honestly think like if you could do a mini version of Scream with marionettes, with puppets, that, that would work. Fucking awesome! Absolutely, I think that's that, that you're onto something. Yeah, there. I think so. <laughs> I think it's time. Did you grow up in Los Angeles? I did. Yeah, since I was five. Oh wow! Yeah, so went to Fairfax High School in LA Laces, L A C E S. Before that, Laces is a L A sort of middle school thing. Yeah. How was Magnet Fairfax school? High? Fairfax High was interesting. It was wild. <laughs> we were graffiti artists and break dancers, and it was a it was a fun time. It was cool. That's funny. That's that's the one that's on Fairfax and Melrose. Yeah, right across it's, from the Silent Movie Theater. Yeah, Family. It's so funny because it's like it's like was that really big at that high school? Like the graffiti and break dancing stuff like yeah, that at the time. Yeah, it's funny because only like in the past like four or five years has like that area of Fairfax, like Fairfax Village, has become. Like like a hip hop kind of mecca because of like yeah. the Odd Future guys and stuff like that. Like it's just like all streetwear, skate clothes, like. Graffiti but I remember shops. before that because I, I went to college. Uh, you and I are. Ba- I think we're the same age. But um, we uh, when I was in college, Melrose was all <clears throat> uh, DJ stuff. Yeah. So it was all like record shops and like yeah, yeah. that's when the that's when the rave scene was popular. So there <laughs> yeah. Was a lot of, like um, there were a lot of uh, you know like like. Uh, uh, you could buy really cool turntables and stuff. Yeah, like, there's still a couple yeah. of them there, I think. Yeah, it was like Aardvarks was there originally, and yeah. Posers was there. It was like a big punk rock scene early, like one of the first things that it was. Yeah, Headline Records. I think they're still... Are they still there, Kyle? Headline Records? I think so. Yeah. Oh, like, Bleaker Bobs was there. Yes. And so, oh, and Tang Records was also there. Well, your gentrification is not complete until you get an American Apparel and an Urban Outfitters. And <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Once that happens, you're like, well... I heard they're <laughs> kicking out all the dispensaries on there because they want to like high class it. I don't know if that's it's like it's like it's always got to be kind of trashy. It's got to be a bunch of stories you've never heard of and really don't feel like going into. Right. That's most of Melrose. For what me. I don't understand is how there's like so many that have like the half like ladies booty bottoms and yeah. then they have really tight <laughs> pants and they're just those out front or like the sparkly clothes like yeah. certain clothes. And then I don't know who buys them. It doesn't ever seem like anyone's either. in these places. I, I would, you, I, because I used to live off Melrose for about a year, and I would walk yeah. to the Starbucks. Uh, again, gentrification. Uh, I would walk <laughs> to the Starbucks, and I'd be like, "Who buys these bedazzled boots? I know they're in every fucking store. Every store. How can they stay? They all seem like the same store. It's kind of like when yeah. you go to like a like a Latino neighborhood, and there's just like a bunch of stores, and they all seem to have the same. Whoa, thing. whoa, 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 whoa. 
kind of racist, Jonah. Why? <laughs> the Latino stores? Of, uh, you're yeah, I'm just... saying the same thing about fucking shitty Melrose stores as yeah, well. Yeah, but fuck white people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure they're white. And all yeah. the stuff I think, no, I think not... it's more like Armenian in that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to go there, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why, why I went. I love yeah. Armenians. <laughs> getting, getting back to Uber. Um, <laughs> Listen, can we start over? Yeah, let's reset. We got way too racial. Uh, I think it was uh, Groucho Marx that took us down <laughs> that road. It was Again, me. Jonah dragged it down. It was me. <laughs> yeah. were, were they, did they do the flea markets on Sundays when you were in high school? Had they been doing that the entire time? No, they started that at, right sort of after, probably. I like, you know, my, like I, I enjoy the idea of going to a flea market, but flea marketing in Los Angeles is basically just, it, there aren't really deals. They're just like furniture stores who yeah. just yeah. set up in tents in parking lots that now. That is true. Yeah. 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 They're not, they're not, you're not going to find anything. It's like any, like, you know, any thrift store in LA is going to be picked over by the time you get there and all the stuff that's good is going to be taken to a vintage store and then, you know, you pay three times the price. That's true. It is amazing when you go to a much older city and you see what their flea markets and antique stores have. It's like we... Yeah. If you're really looking for antiques and trying to get a deal, go to Wurtz Brothers. Wurtz Brothers, yeah, in West LA. Yeah, and then you go upstairs and you ask for Ruben. Okay. Oh. And then say, Ruben, what's the new... Like, tell, tell him the style you're looking for and what's in, and he'll take you around to the little pieces that are... Wurtz Brothers, That's really walking cool. distance to Fantasy Island. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can go buy a chair and take it to Fantasy Island and get a lap dance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is David a, Arquette's map of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It just goes yeah. back and forth between yeah, Wurtz Brothers yeah. and Fantasy Island. It's a cheap yeah. Uber yeah. drive to anywhere you need to be. <laughs> I'll tell you. It kind of is. You go down to Sam Hoffman. Stop at Langer's to get a, you know, nice pastrami sandwich. What is that? How much have you seen? I, I got here in um, 88, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it goes without saying that there are dramatic changes in Los Angeles since that time. Like, yeah, yeah. So many areas of Los Angeles felt completely uninhabitable. Yeah. And now it's, you know, like, it's all, everything's kind of cool. Like, I don't. People shit on Los Angeles wherever you go. Like, but there's actually really cool parts I of Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. I got into yeah, totally. like a, a couple arguments just yesterday about people like I saw people shitting on Los Angeles, and I was just retaliating. I think they're wrong. Yeah, no, no. My uh, my my comeback's always, well, you have shitty friends then, or, yeah. or you're the shitty friend. Like, you're yeah, just yeah. like if you don't like it here, it's because you don't have good nice people. Yeah, around. exactly. Any city is like what you make of it. It's like you know the, the thing I always hate uh, hearing when I'm in a different city is it's like yeah I tried the whole L.A. thing. Uh, that place yeah. sucks, and like that's the that's something that somebody says who like lived here for a year and then didn't become famous, and then they're like, yeah, yeah. I tried the L.A. thing, that place blows. Right. Well, like, I get people them. trying to bond with where they go. Uh, I've been there. I mean, that place sucks, right? And I go, no, it's like any city. Yeah. People say, well, what about traffic? It's not. It's not the worst in the country. Like Houston's worse. Honolulu is worse. Uh, New York City is so New York hard. City is horrible. Oh man, just get it. I just can't take like. The, the sitting in between buildings in the back of a car. It yeah. just drives me nuts. Exactly. Uh, but I, uh, I do not enjoy driving in New York. I would much rather be sitting in the back of a car. And it doesn't freak me out when you're in the back of a car and they're just zipping through lanes that don't exist. I'm like, well, they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, they learned to drive here. It's probably yeah. fine. 
But in any other city, I like my fingers would be gripped into the material of the seat. For some reason, when I go to New York, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They, this is yeah, their yeah. ecosystem. They got it down. <laughs> it's totally. not that crazy. When I used to when I used to drink heavily, I used to take cabs everywhere. This is like in a pre Uber world. It's really not that long ago. But uh, it's really expensive to take cabs around Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why Uber blew up so big because a lot of the cab companies, like a lot of cab drivers here, like they screw people over. There's actually been multiple lawsuits throughout the years of like cab drivers being shitty and not having good business practices. I still like taking cabs once in a while, though. I mean, I like if if I'll I'll go outside and before I call an Uber, if I see a cab, I'll take a cab. Really, just to like balance it out because I feel bad for the cab drivers since Uber came around. (laughs) <laughs> I do. That's kind of nice, though. Uh, and then I know a few of them. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I just I, into the same cats. I hate like a cab driver. I'm uh, obviously still drinking. And driving. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I, I just say, I sure. hate the thing that happens in, with cab drivers, where it's like uh, you get out and they like they tell you how much it is, and you're like, and you hand the card, and then they go, oh, no cash, and then you go, no, and they go. Ugh. I know, and they act like it's a hold to do, yeah. and like, and you, and the, you, they're just they're taking a long time, hoping that you go. Oh, never mind, I forgot. I have cash for you. Yeah, that's like well, that's what the, uh, Yeah, they just want to pay the exactly. Pay. Yeah, every time, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is interesting. Like watching Uber spring up is is an interesting uh, uh, like watching innovation happen instantly, where the existing yeah. structure is like, wait, 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 you can't do that. And it's like, well, they innovated. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you could innovate. But they innovated, and so they came up with the service that people wanted. So that should drive you to drive. That should make you want to. uh, (laughs) It's fine. Take an Uber to your next million dollar idea. But that should make people want to. That should inspire people to to innovate more. Do you? uh, How do you run your company? Do you? uh, I mean, because you have we have no innovation. (laughs) That's pretty much our thing. It's like. We don't innovate. But you make a lot of you make television. No, though. You guys make a lot of television. Yeah, we have a, a show coming out. Oh, well, they're doing Cougar Town, our final season, and um, and we have a show called Celebrity. That's Name Craig's Game. show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Craig's yeah. the best. Yeah, I love Craig. They oh, me too. I, I, he asked me to do the show, and I, I was I'm out of town performing. You're Otherwise, I'm probably insanely busy all the time. <laughs> like yeah, no time but, for. Anything. But I would do anything for Craig. I just unfortunately yeah, the, the dates didn't work, but. I saw the the I saw the sizzle reel for it, and the show looks great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just the game Celebrity, essentially, and we mixed it up, and you know, it's like a companion to a Family Feud or whatever. But we have like Debmar Mercury, and and uh, I'm blanking on like the biggest company in the world. That's my partner. <laughs> hold on. Uh, CBS is a syndication company, right? Uh, uh, hold on, it's uh, <laughs> Fremantle. Fremantle, oh, yeah, they're yeah. fucking big. Yeah, that's. that's I like, just almost got fired, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're all so like they just do it right. They know how to do it, super classy, and take care of everyone, and like everything's like super scheduled. And it's like, wow, you guys are really <laughs> know yeah. what you're doing here. And then I'll roll in. <laughs> yeah. And well, then like the like, no, I don't know. I'm, I just come up with ideas, man. You handle the rest. You must. You must know what you're doing, though. No, I things, know. What I'm things doing. are going very. Things seem to be I've going pretty well. I've been doing it for a long time for like 27 years. So isn't that crazy? Do you ever? Do you ever just think about that and go, "Wow, I actually do have a skill set." Yeah. Because most of the time in your life, I feel like you. Well, at least I feel like I don't know if I know what I'm doing, and then. Something will come up and someone will go, how do I solve this? And I'll go, oh, just do this and this and this. And I'll go, did that, you know, it's almost like that moment where the Tin Man's like, totally. oh, that's, that's how he's trying. Oh, that's the sum of the, you know, and yeah, you're like, whoa, exactly. hey, where did that come from? 
Yeah, it's that 10,000 hour rule, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, there's something to it. I mean, I'm not sure I'm that many hours yet, but <laughs> somewhere along there. Are you, do you ever get used to, just from being in the family that you're in and being the relationships you've been in and being in the press the whole time, does that, do you ever get used to that or is it still just, because you've grown I up think, with it. Yeah, I got used to it to a certain degree, you know. I, I I don't know. I've always sort of like taken a different thing to it. I don't know why. Maybe it was just growing up like a graffiti writer and just, I don't know. I never, uh, I still get like, I guess I get starstruck to a certain extent or like uh, I get social anxiety at those parties. I, I, don't, I don't always feel like I fit in completely with all of that. Yeah. But um, uh, I guess I got used to it. I get used to it. But I like it more when... People probably, I, I'd assume that you have a similar thing just because cause your show, I mean, at midnight specifically, it's just so sort of personal in a weird way. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, people, like you, even the social media that's happened, you have a, a more uh, personal relationship. It's not the same that it used to be. We just don't hide ourselves completely and like you know, put up these walls and you have a makeup artist that takes care of you in wardrobe and then you go out and you do your, uh, your, your premiere and then that's how they see you and then you yeah. only speak to the certain couple people and they can't ask you those questions and I don't play that game. No, now it's, you gotta, and now it's almost like we're a culture of embracing the flaws. Like, yeah, this yeah. is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that part about it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, do you, does your daughter kind of understand everything at this point? Have you ever had to have the talk of like, okay, yeah. sometimes there are weird photographers hanging around yeah. and don't just don't stress out, you know, just keep yeah. walking. Yeah, she's pretty cool about it all. She's okay. she's growing up with it. So, and are they pretty respectful to? I have a really funny relationship with the paparazzi. <laughs> I mean, there's one or two that'll just be dicks and like try to like get you going, but for the most part, they're like. You know, they're just my buddies. I see them all the time outside the club. Half the time they're like, don't even want to take my picture, which is like, cool, this or that. But um, yeah, it's a pretty fun like little situation. You know, I know a bunch of them by name now. Oh, that's really weird. What's up, Roger? <laughs> that's kind of nice. So, I mean, I, I would imagine as long as, you know... Uh, you know, just like in any profession, there are ones who are cool, there are ones who are dicks, you know, but if you can find the cool ones and be nice back, then I, f I feel like they're, you know, they'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's, that sort of has changed a little too. It was a, when it first started getting really heavy in LA with paparazzi, there was, there was like this kind of gangster element to it as well. And they kind of were all about like getting in front of you and getting your face and stopping your car and, you're like, what's up, bitch? <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you, punk. Get out, like, and then the, that's the picture you see. Like, oh, it's like with your picture. Yeah. yeah. And that's and on the then, cover of Us magazine. Yeah. David Arquette has meltdown yeah. outside club. Like, yeah, you guy pushed me. Yeah. yeah, no. You know, I got a newborn baby. And you're fucking super aggressive with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, watch the kid. <laughs> but I think it's chilled out a lot. And, you know. And everyone's sort of getting the game, too, and, and TMZ and all that other stuff that's happened in, in the meantime has changed the game a lot. It's interesting to hear you say you have social anxiety, because I have it a bit, too, in those situations. Like, I, I never, I always feel like, I don't belong here. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to say to anybody. It feels weird. Do you think everyone feels that way? 
Not everyone. No. <laughs> I don't. I mean, some people are just really great at that. You know what I mean? It's like Bill Clinton, for instance. My my uh, my fiance, her her um, uncle was his chief of staff for the first term, uh, Mac McClarty, and he. Uh, she just tells me all these stories about Bill and all of his stuff, and he'll learn something about, you know, a person that he's meeting. He has people that help him, obviously, and he learns something. He has this game where he remembers their name, he remembers where they're from, he remembers their kid's name, he associates it with something in his life. So that when he'll see them, like, three years later, he'll say, how's your daughter? And oh, blah, blah, wow. And all this stuff. So someone like Bill is <laughs> very good at it. So good that it made him the president. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and he's a... You know, smart man. I guess yeah. you wouldn't. I guess. I guess you probably. I don't know how much social anxiety you should have if you want to run the country. Yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, you can. <laughs> I guess I mean, you, they'll <laughs> knock that out of you. I think. Ready to do the inauguration? Huh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel weird. Do I have to see all those people? Yeah. yeah you're right? the president. You got to go out there. Just give me a minute. <laughs> oh, that would be a really funny skit, though. <laughs> <laughs> the president who's just. Oh, I guess it was like the King's Speech. I guess that yeah, was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a great movie, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but in America, <laughs> yeah, not over there, the goddamn British. <laughs> but there are some people that are just really good at. It's like some people are really good at auditions. Like I have an implode inside in auditions. I mean, I hate them too. gotten sometimes a little better, but there's this whole element of being judged and like mm. people talking and like uh, I don't know. It makes me sweat, and that's not good enough. Audition space. No, <laughs> you're like all like sweaty. It's like, yeah. are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There was a there's a weird, and I don't know where it originates, but there is this there's this very strange party network in Los Angeles. Uh, and when I was when I was in my early 20s, I was dating a girl who was part of that. Yeah, and it was this group of like all her all of her friends were like. Toby Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jay Ferguson and all this this like little knit group of like young actor kids and every fucking night they knew about something that was going on somewhere and this was kind of in a pre-internet era yeah. and I and I can't it's like where 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 is this strange where does this come from because I don't know I, I don't even it's, it's part of my business yeah. <laughs> so, I mean right now I mean essentially what they're called now are promoters right yeah. you know what I mean and, but back then there was they still sort of had them they were sort of the party people and and uh, yeah they just you know essentially they know where all the new hot girls are oh, and they sort of have a link on them and they make sure that they like you know they take them out to dinner and they'll sometimes people will take them shopping and stuff wow. like that and they'll keep them sort of in this little core group of, you know, this little amoeba of party people that go to different places. That when you go to that place with this group, then you have the hottest girls in town at your party, and it's immediate party wherever. Oh, party interesting. Because I remember um, it's easy when the Leo yeah. <laughs> going back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of stand near them, and you just sort of get hit. It's just like yeah. it's just like you're in the smaller fishing boat. Like, yeah, hey, we better. We better get next to the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company over there. In that wake. <laughs> but no, no, literally. I mean, this is a horrible thing to say, but I'm going to say sure. I introduced Leo to like a bunch of his best friends, and I pretty much I think they left me for. <laughs> 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 I got dumped. Oh, 
little shit. bit, little bit. I mean, they still show the old man respect, but <laughs> <laughs> they definitely are all better friends now. Uh, well, than I, I remember. Am. I remember in like '97, my girlfriend at the time, we went to a Thanksgiving dinner at like at Brent Boldhouse's place, which yeah. is just this really cool apartment above. Um, sounds like above where the comedy yeah. store is, and uh, and he was really nice. And I think that's where I met Sarah for the first yeah. time. And um, and he just he like he promoted a couple you know like a handful of nights around town and now he's like yeah. fucking like giant office building like it's yeah. a, he's a, he's a like a, an industry yeah now. he certainly is he's always been doing it he was I, when I first ever went went out it was at his spots and you know he'd always been really cool about you know working together and and working with Jeffrey Best another guy who does a lot of stuff like that. What have you learned about human nature from, from from running, or is LA so unique in the sense of the type of people that it that swirl in this? Uh, I don't know. Like, what's the quote about human nature? What have you learned yeah. about people? Like, because if if you're if you run a night if you run a nightclub, basically, you're seeing people sometimes at their best and sometimes at their worst, yeah. and you're seeing. It's a it's a nonstop. I mean, like you basically, it's a petri dish where you're just yeah. watching people interact nonstop. Do you feel yeah. like you have a better understanding of human beings? I, I think I don't know. To a certain extent, there are stuff. I mean, I'm amazed at how sometimes people can be pretty bad and they still, you know, <laughs> you know, they still thrive or, or get along or like these these are evil. Yeah. yeah, you know, like what some I mean? people just, some people are fucking upwards. assholes and they're just still assholes. You know, thirty years later. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you keep fights from breaking out nightly in your club? I mean, you're talking about the where where dudes are in super alpha mode. Yeah, their hormones are raging. They're drunk. And whatever else, I've and- only had a couple people tossed out, and I don't like to do it. But uh, when they get like uh, aggressive and violent, like you know, we have this one like big dragon, like a Chinese dragon. Yeah, and it's a it's a puppet. So if somebody buys a certain amount of champagne, we'll come out with this giant, you know, dragon. And one guy, like, kind of, like, grabbed it and shook it. And my head's in there. Oh, <laughs> so I, like, just, like, pushed him toward a, a bodyguard. They bounced him. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the time, I'm always, like, walking through there, like, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me. Pardon me. You know, yeah. I'm like the, the Bugs Bunny in that cartoon. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's how I walk through the, the club. And that's sort of how i try to approach everything i mean it's hard to sometimes because people are aggressive and sometimes they really just want to fight you yeah no it's a, i mean as a like i'm a you know big guy so i learned quickly to like when i was going through you know a club or a crowded bar to just same thing sorry excuse me like i have to like i because if i bump into somebody they it's like it it's a big bump right like they like bounce back and right. it's like and you know, there's been so many times in my life where, like, I just, you know, I'm trying to get by. I kind of get pushed. I bump into a guy, and he's ready to go for a fight. Right. And so it's like it's it's a good way. Like I like to think that, like I like the thing. So it's like that's how you try to live your life. Like getting through a crowded bar, try not to you know mess with anybody, so nobody messes. He doesn't with want anybody. to fight you. He wants, wants to fight his own dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Everybody wants to be respected. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know, for the most part. Yeah. Everyone wants to. I think people want to feel significant in some way, and yeah. the way that people pursue significance, you know, they can pursue it in a. It, it can just be in, in like micro significance, like in like that's their bar, you yeah. know, like yeah. that's their territory, or right. it can be in a in a macro sense of like, oh, they want to, you know, build a bunch of things and yeah. be you know, like they want to be Trump, 
or whatever. But it, but ultimately, I feel like a lot of the eternal struggle of life is the sort of the fight for significance. And maybe that's a biological, like, oh, my DNA has to live on, and so I must be significant so that I plant my seeds, you know? I don't know what it is, but yeah. uh, but it definitely... How do you feel like you... What, what's your struggle with significance? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, my whole... I don't know. I have a lot of struggles with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like growing up, I always, you know, we we came from an abusive family. And that's one of the the things that we've learned. Like uh, my mother was was abused and she abused us as kids. And and it was a a, a traumatic way to grow up. But through the process, she did a lot of work on herself and she eventually became a marriage family counselor. And she did all of this, you know, intern work where she worked with all these couples and she got breast cancer and she fought it for a long time. But on her deathbed, she got her certificate to be a marriage family counselor. Oh, wow. And I was like, Mom, this is like your certificate for life because essentially she won. You know, you won. You can graduate now. You can not worry about it because she, through the process, and even though we were abused, none of us have, are abusive to our kids. So mm-hmm. that's sort of like a thing. So my thing growing up was I always wanted to be – the, the good kid. I wanted everything to be fine. Like, how can I help? I was like the, you know, mascot or whatever. I'm just trying to fix, like, you know, keep everything cool. Let's laugh about it. Yeah. Keep it light. Let's, oh. And uh, so that, like, played into a lot of my self-worth and, like, you know, you know, just am I good enough? That kind of shit. Like, that's that's where my, my personal, like, significance sort of gauge is. And a lot of that still is work i'm doing on myself you know what i mean and a lot of that stuff has to do with confidence and a lot of that stuff is how you walk into a room if you're trying to get a job or you know how you complete your job on a day-to-day thing so you know i I do the best i can i mean you know that's an amazing story though and also just i understand that idea of being sort of the the peacekeeper you know where um, I mean I wasn't I didn't I didn't have any type of abusive relationship with my parents but when I was growing up they fought a lot and so I always felt like I was like the I got to bridge the hey let's all just not you know and I still feel like I'm that way in certain situations where it's like hey we can all figure we can figure this out by talking we can talk this out we yeah. can figure this out you know yeah, yeah. like it's all it's all achievable if we can reason with each other yeah. Yeah. but you can't reason with everybody and no, you, can't, you can't and you can't yeah. fix everyone no yeah. you can't you know what i mean that's the truth too and then it just becomes like well, shit happens and you know what i mean yeah. and then it's like you got to like also you know allow people to to have their little journey with it all you know well it's hard yeah. because it's you know like I, I, this is this is a this is a theme lately that i've been experiencing in my life so i apologize if i've been talking a lot about it on the podcast this is for the listeners mm-hmm. but um, but the idea of um, you know just in terms of significance or self esteem or or I feel like you get into the most trouble when you attach your self-esteem to external things because those things, uh, you have no control over them. And so to place your self-esteem into things that you have no control over yeah. is a very dicey proposition. Yeah. You know? So how, totally. do, how, do you, how do you establish, like, hey, no matter what happens, I'm okay because I'm a competent, caring individual who, you know, and I just want to be cool with stuff and, and happy. So how do you, 
Like, how do you pull that in when there's so much of the world is constantly, like, trying to smack you down? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, a lot of that stuff I look for, like, okay, so the universe is talking to me, obviously, about this. You know what I mean? And what what the heck is it trying to – what is it saying <laughs> to me? Like, okay, like, and then what do I have to work on or what do I have to change or or what do I have to accept? And Just, I don't know, just kind of – Go with it. I mean, I like my whole thing is I just want it all to be fun. <laughs> I just want it all to be fun. Like I know shit's gonna happen, and like I know there's like daily stuff you always have to deal with, and like just putting your world together, and you know, you know, whatever it is, making sure there's food in the refrigerator, whatever it is. But uh, I don't know. At some point, at some point, I, I mean, this is a conversation I always have with my girl. I was like, listen. Things happen in this world, like somebody gets sick and then you have to deal with that like real life shit, you know? But until then, let's not make like that the size of like everything. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Like Point, let's just yeah. keep it all like let's deal with that. But but you also have to be careful with that it's not like every sort of thing that comes up is another like problem and issue. Like Disaster, yeah. you have to like find the fun. You have to like stop and smell the roses. You have to like feel the wind like sometimes and just like live in that for a second or, or laugh i mean laughter is what's so great and when you can you guys do that all the time so i mean you got that immediate sort of recharge going although there's also the dump <laughs> after you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah we know exactly yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there's the drive home <laughs> yeah that was the funny story actually my first job ever was the outsiders which was like a a Fox TV version of the S.E. Hinton novel that was the great movie. And we did it and it was like we did this one season and then the season's coming out and we go and there's this thing that we go to a mall and they fill the mall with all the people. We walk and we're like the Beatles, you know what I mean? And we're in Teen Beat and all this crap. And we go out, we see all these kids, we're taking all these pictures and people are freaking out and our ears are ringing and we're crazy and then we leave and we get back into the limousine and we're driving away and then Robert Russler, amazing actor. Oh yeah, I know who he yeah, is. Yeah, great guy, turns to me and says, now listen, you know, that was all that, but now you're just you again and now we, we're just here again and just like, don't wow. get used to this, like, you know, don't believe the hype all the time and that was a huge fucking lesson for me because I, I remember that to this day, I mean, and remember like, and I remember that in doing a movie and, or a movie being successful or one not being successful and just sort of keeping it all in perspective that, you know, it's all out of your control to yeah. a certain extent and, you know, to just enjoy the ride somewhat and not... Uh that's wow, really that's, cool. That's, that's really Robert cool. Russler was the he was the other douchebag in Weird Science. Like he yeah. and Robert Downey oh, wow. Jr. Yeah. He was he was the other guy. Oh, I don't mean he was douchebag, but like his character, like he was the other he was the other villain basically yeah, yeah. In, in, in in Weird Science. That's like that's so like that's awesome. such a great thing to hear right in the beginning of you getting into stuff. Too. Yeah, and then we were canceled the next. Week. <laughs> <laughs> and it really was. Yeah. And, and what did I just say? Oh, what yeah. a funny story though. We were canceled and. Okay, so we grew up in this big house in Hollywood, and uh, we had extra rooms and stuff, and living at our house was Luke Perry for years, auditioning with friends of mine and, and Alexis, and um, he, uh, he was living there, he was auditioning and all this stuff, and he got a gig, he got a 90210, oh, so they cancel 
outsiders while I'm living there and I'm bummed and I'm like, my show just got canceled. Oh, no. He's like, oh, my show got picked up. And he's fucking the biggest like, thing since sliced bread. And, and, and uh, 90210 goes through the roof and he does the same mall appearance that we have, but there's a riot. <laughs> and it just and it makes it like you know he like he goes through the stratosphere. Oh, oh yeah, was you guys all were... really cool to see, but it was also like oh, it really is like this. You get swatted around a lot yeah. in this business. Then they brought back <laughs> the nine hundred two one zero for bringing back the James Dean hair, which I tried so hard to do in the yeah. early nineties. Yo, was just funny too- little story. You know how he had sideburns? Yes, he had sideburns because we were all the outsiders and we all had sideburns. Oh, no. yes. yes, he made that a thing, uh, but that was yeah, your thing. It was our thing. <laughs> <laughs> And then how ironic that you were the outsider still. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But then you guys were both in Buffy in the Buffy movie. Yeah, and that was that was Buffy. a nice little right, right, thank right. you. It was a little uh yeah, he he helped me out. Like he got me just put in a good word and got me in there and and then I went and worked with Paul Rubens for the first yeah. time who I'd become best friends with ever since. I mean, I got to say cuz I I loved the Buffy series and I loved yeah. Joss. But I feel like when people say Buffy, yeah. a lot of times they just mean the series. But the original movie it's great. is so fucking great. Yeah. And it was one of those, like, I remember seeing the poster for it and I was like, Luke Perry? Oh, come on. And then he's great in the movie. Yes. Like, yeah. so against Dylan type. Yeah, totally. I know, it's this weird thing. Like, sometimes I think it's a big marketing thing. I think it's somehow, you know, the, there's some people that just know how to market it in the right way that. It ex- explains the tone right off. Because then if the tone's different, then if you think it... Because some people, I think, would have thought the movie was more going to be like the show. Right. So they go to the movie thinking it's that, and then they're like, oh, it's too broad. You know what I mean? And then they do the, the show right, the, the way the audience will, it sort of expected it, and maybe Joss expected it too. So then they do it that way. But then there's other things. And then, well, like a Ready to Rumble. Like we did Ready to Rumble and it's a wrestling movie. But, you know, and it's fun and it's over the top. But it's not, you know, the wrestler. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of wrestling fans, you take it super seriously. So it's like they don't want you to make fun of it. But then in retrospect, you can look back on it and say, oh, that's actually just a fun movie. And it's like a romp. Yeah. I don't know. When you were working with WCW, were you ever worried that out in public the wrestling fans were going to just... Murder you? <laughs> I did get like this little kid threw a like a big chunk of dirt in my eye. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> no, I turned around. It was like a ten year old kid. And he was like, "Flip me the bird." <laughs> I was like, "Dude, I just brought the belt out for you guys to like take pictures with. What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a belt you want to get an ass whooping with. Yeah, uh, but, uh... surprise, Bam Bam Bigelow didn't take me down. Yeah. <laughs> he was a good guy. So you've done a lot of really fun stuff. It sounds like I, I, I mean, I, I think the the idea of, you know, hey, let's make it fun. That's such a great because then it's not so tied to a specific thing that you're doing. You're just you're you're trying to apply that filter to everything. Yeah, and absolutely. then that, that sort of makes everything manageable, and you know, but then you can learn when you're having fun, and you know, like sure. I don't know. I think it's really important to do that because I always say life will have enough roadblocks. That you don't want. So why? And I create them all the time, but I still say, like, why create them yourself? Right. Totally. Why do we create roadblocks? Yeah. There's also this thing about just this business. If you're in this business, 
It's like there's some people that have been like just so fed up with it. I was like, listen, you can go back to Oklahoma and, you know, go back home and do your thing, whatever you want. And you'll definitely never make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but if you stay here, you'll have an adventure. You'll, yeah. you'll work, especially if you're really driven and you want to just do interesting things and like you're not so worried about money as, you know, or you just, you know, even if you, you do atmosphere work, whatever it is, like if you want to get involved and like be a part of different things, you can and you will live all these little different lives. But if you go away there, you're just not going to live the entertainment life. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And then if you do that long enough, you know, then like a Mickey Rourke, something awesome happens and like, you know, oh, then they get him again. And, you know, um, like Paul Rubens, he's coming out uh, on, on a sh- TV show soon. That's like a, a nice reoccurring. I was like, that's so dope that somebody yeah. got you to put you on like a drama comedy to, you know, allow you to like, because he's one of the greats in my amazing. Opinion. And then if it doesn't work out, you can go back to your home in Nebraska and be like, yeah, I tried the LA thing for a while. The people are the worst. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm, you know, Paul Rubens is so fucking good. Like, yeah. he was so good in Blow. Yeah. So good. Amazing. I'm surprised Amazing. he didn't. And I just assumed that maybe it was his own choice that just didn't do a ton of other films. Well, he doesn't really need to. He made he, he doesn't made a need ton to of do money off really of need to do merchandise, right? I don't think he needs to do well, anything. He's yeah. very specific about his choices. And, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the smartest people he's I've awesome. ever met. I mean, you know, he was, I don't know if it, 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 he's kind of instrumental in helping or discovering tim burton and to a certain extent you know and and you know he did uh big adventure and yeah. that alone <laughs> you yeah. know having any sort of hand in tim burton like you know his genius like being yeah. seen yeah. by the world is just such an accomplishment yeah and to have the own. smarts of saying like hey, i'm getting offered a movie i'm gonna have it uh i'm gonna have phil hartman help me write it yeah, I, yeah. we were um I, I met with um i met with paul and some of the guys from Soapbox, mm-hmm. which is this, uh, this uh, yeah. like production house, uh-huh. friend, friends of mine. And we, we met with him just to talk about like, hey, you know, is, is there anything we could all figure out together? And he's really sweet. You know him, but he's really sweet. Very soft-spoken, like really yeah. sweet guy. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone, first of all, everyone kind of freaked out and was trying to hide it when they first met him, which he must be so used to at this point. Yeah. But everyone's, you know, like we're all around the same age, so we're just right, we're right in the sweet spot for Paul. And... Uh, and so we, you know, everyone starts to calm down a little bit in the meeting. Everyone's starting to relax, and he was like, "Yeah." And so, like, when we were doing Big Adventure, and I was like, blah, blah, and he like launches into the Pee Wee voice, and everyone's like, mm-hmm. "Like, I can see, <laughs> yeah. I see all the eyes, yeah. I see all the fists clench, <laughs> like everyone's trying to sit in their seats but not embarrass themselves." Yeah. But I'm watching. I'm doing it, but I'm watching all their reactions too, because it's like it's so. It's so ingrained, like he's so ingrained deeply in, in so many of us. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, and it, it's kind of like he was at the beginning of, of what a lot of sort of the nerdist like philosophy in a sense, like you really become students of this whole game. You know what I mean? And all the pop culture that's going on and all this stuff that's going on, all the creativity and all the different films and all the different stuff. But he was doing that with like, uh, you know, what was the other thing he, we'd watched? We've watched tons of them. Like MGM had some like uh, uh, Hooray for Hollywood, I think it's called, mm-hmm. and it's an amazing box set, and it just like, you know, shows all of these, you know, uh, 
different different styles of of of, of film and, and musicals and all this stuff and all these show pieces and uh, yeah, I'm blanking out like the the, the swimming ladies and yeah, the, yeah yeah you yeah you know yeah, Busby yeah. Burke all this that's all that that's entertainment, that's entertainment uh, yes, kind of stuff yeah. yeah but it's all like this little stuff that you still see on Family Guy now and you still you know what I mean and it's like but he was a student of that really early on. And uh, and he had that sort of like love for all that stuff, and he's just such a genius. I learned so much from him, and, and uh, you know, it's probably no, it's not why I have puppets at my theater. But <laughs> it's actually not. My grandfather was huge into puppets and left left me puppets. My father left me puppets from my grandfather. So, oh wow, you ready for this idea? Puppet strip club. I'm telling you. Um, by the way, okay. it's exactly what I wanted to do with Crazy Girls. I didn't want to buy a strip club. I wanted to turn it into a burlesque club. And, you know, part of it is during the day there's a, you know, a puppet show that runs, you know, a few times a day. So yeah. you can, like, do something fun for people that are going around those buses. And then at night there will be girls involved, too. And then, a, a, you know, because there, there were these adult-themed puppet shows back That's in the day were fucking amazing. dope. Yeah. Did, did you uh, – uh, I just brought this up in our morning writers' meeting today. I think we're going to show a clip of it on the show tonight. Maybe 15 years ago, I was at a video store in West L.A., and there was – in the bargain bin, like in the front section, not even in the adult section, the front section for 99 cents was this – Puppet porn from the seventies called "Let My Puppets Come." Did you ever see it? No, I haven't. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Do you still have it? No, kidding. I don't know where it is, but that, but we found a clip of it. Uh, we showed a clip in the morning meeting. Unfortunately, it was on. <laughs> it was like the clip they found was on like a like a flash porn site. Yeah. So of course, everyone in the meeting were like, "Sorry about all the banner ads around." <laughs> and, uh, you can sort of ignore that and just focus on the puppetry. <laughs> Be great. Very good. It's just like you know. It's like last thing people want to see in the the morning writers meeting is like puppets fucking and then a bunch of gaping porn. Yeah. But the uh, but it's basically it's this kind of vaudeville like the it's like vaudeville comedy style. Yeah. But it's all puppets and they're and and they're in these like satirical porn scenes. Like fucking each other. That was sort of taken from this thing that. Sid and Marie Croft did for the World's Fair called, uh, like, I don't know how to speak French, but it's Dolls of Paris is the translation, like, Poupes de Paris or something like that. And uh, on the soundtrack, they had Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, Liberace. It was one of the most expensive soundtracks ever made. It was made for a puppet show, and it was made for the World's Fair. That's another thing. I don't know. The World's Fair, they need to bring the World's Fair back. It's such a cool thing. Like we do the Olympics. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's for it's for, you know, sports. But why isn't there a World's Fair that people anyone can go to? And it's like Comic Con on acid. You know what I mean? It's so much bigger. It's yeah. like every nation is involved and you're coming, you're bringing this stuff and the organiz I mean yeah. It's just such a no-brainer. I think yeah, the reason it's my Uber. It's yeah. my Uber. <laughs> I, think the, yeah. I think the reason that. By the way, it'd be really funny to see like David Arquette buys World's Fair. Yeah. Like that, you just have your own World's Fair. But I think the problem is that um, when the World's Fair was a was a thriving enterprise, I think it's when people just had no way of being exposed to anything more than what their local community was, and now. It's, people are just like, I'll oh, just pull my iPhone. You know? yeah, but, no, I mean, but if you could go to the World's Fair, and oh, then I agree you can with actually you. sit right there and then look at the hover car. 
I, you know I, mean? I agree with you, but I think I think, I think that's why I think yeah. maybe that's what part of the cultural problem is that right. people are just like, yeah, I don't, know. I can just look that up. Well, if yeah, anything, yeah, yeah, totally. for cities to have new monuments, you know, the Space Needle, Come on. the fucking Ark, exactly. Yeah. I I I'm still I still am upset that they never rebuilt the Twin Towers like anywhere. I would like go to like the middle of some <laughs> some state that needs a little more tourism, and in the middle of like nowhere, just build the twin towers just like, <laughs> I mean, like you know what i mean like it would be so dope <laughs> I mean, don't you think people would go there i think they would yeah to des moines yeah I mean, <laughs> des moines needs I don't it know. That's or where even it is. if it was like you know like structured like the eiffel tower but like kind of you know with glass oh. so it's kind of see-through but it's oh huge. las vegas <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I guess a constant just, world's fair. Yeah. I just think I, am, I just oh, it just irks me that they. I would just have built the same thing like a little bigger and badder. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I got at the Freedom Tower. It's cool. It's beautiful. But come on, where's the Skyline? Where's the Twin Towers? Bring them back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two. They can't stop us. We just come back stronger. It's time. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we're in an hour. Which always makes me sound like a therapist. Uh, yeah. Well, we're at an hour, David. We've explored a lot of themes today. Yes, and hopefully, right. You know, for next time, though, I really want you to work on, like, let's see if we can really start to explore this burlesque puppet theater yes, idea. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, manifesting ideas in the real world, that's where true joy comes from. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it's good to see you. And, oh, do you want to plug, plug everything that you... Yeah, um, The Field of Lost Shoes is coming out. It's a Civil War film. Uh, that's really I'm proud of. It's a really great movie, and um, and then uh, celebrity name game and uh, cleaners on crackle. The, so the 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 Lost Shoes movie is basically like a bunch of kids going like being sent off to civil war. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. these kids that were at the Virginia Military Institute, and it's it's centered around the Battle of Newmarket, which was toward the end of the Civil War. But uh, it's when the South sort of stood up to the north and and won this specific battle which was really important but they pulled kids out of the virginia military institute and they were like 14 to 17 and they never were even prepared for war and they just sort of like showed extreme courage and because of them they um won this battle and i'm the one that blows them all away i'm captain dupont who was like (laughs) well i mean destroy them all listen in a way it's Kind of good the South didn't win. I mean, it is. It's true. Florida did a good job. I mean, it's true. You know, if I'm (laughs) kind of looking at the way things played out, it kind of worked out okay. I know. So, I know. It's it's interesting because the kids, like the South, are the, you know, they're the heroes of this film, (laughs) essentially. Those little pricks. So, I had no no problem blowing them away. (laughs) But with all due respect, uh, um, at the Virginia Military Institute, they still every year. Um, have a march and sort of reenact that. And my grandfather, uh, Cliff Arquette, who was a character named Charlie Weaver, had a Civil War museum in Gettysburg for several years. Oh, wow. (laughs) Just to add to the craziness. And at one point in time, this is a true story, uh, so I've heard, but they were going to build condos on like one a portion of Gettysburg Battlefield. Oh wow! And he like threw up. He was up in arms. He, he couldn't believe it, and he, he held petition and got everyone together to make sure it was declared a 
historical landmark. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. That's surprising that it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was like it, you didn't like, make this historical landmark. I thought. I, yeah. I thought you were doing that. <laughs> yeah. You said you were going to do the historical landmark thing. <laughs> but look, those condos are beautiful. Yeah. I mean, they're really nice, guys. <laughs> the rates are. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Yeah, Thanks man, it's good me. to see you. You too. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> That's how you end. We end with a awesome. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Spoiler alert, it's neither. At Happy Egg, we believe happiness of the hens is what actually came first. Because without happy hens, there would be no such thing as happy eggs. You know, eggs with delicious orange yolks. Those come from hens who are raised the happy way on eight plus acres of family owned farms. Choose happy at happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.